Hi, I'm Sam Breakgear, and you're listening to Brains Bike Back. Welcome to another episode of our Most Dangerous Countries on the Internet series. Today's country probably won't come as a surprise to anyone, and I don't think this series would be complete without featuring this country. So today we're going to talk about North Korea. And to discuss this topic, I'm joined by a cybersecurity researcher at Blacktop Government Solutions in Washington, D.C., Porter Adams. And for our Weird Wide Web piece, we have news of Burning Man becoming a virtual experience for 2020. This episode is brought to you by Publicize. Publicize is a digital PR company that stands out from other legacy agencies. They don't charge large retainers or simply send out press releases when you have something to announce. Instead, they have a transparent and modular approach to PR that ensures you only pay for what you need. They refer to this approach as growth communications for everyone, and it makes them the default option for tech startups looking to take their first steps in PR. If you want more information, you can request a free PR assessment at publicize.co and find a tailored PR strategy that works for you. And exclusively for BrainSpike back listeners, for a limited time only, those who sign up for a 12-month package will receive one month free. To claim this promotion, visit publicize.co slash BBB. Would you be able to explain who you are and what you do in, um, in your industry? And yeah, just give us a brief summary of, of you. Yeah, so my name's Porter Adams. I am a cybersecurity researcher in Washington, D.C. I work for a government contractor and I've spent a decent amount of time studying North Korean hackers, what they're up to and what they're capable of. Awesome. Uh, I have to say, from the guests that I've received, which have pitched to me ideas of what they believe to be the most dangerous countries, this one is one that surprised me the least, I'd have to say. (laughs) I kind of (laughs) had an idea that North Korea was going to pop up there somewhere. Just because I do see them in the headlines so often about being exactly that, a dangerous country to participate in the internet. But I would still love to know why you personally think North Korea is considered, in your opinion, one of the most dangerous countries on the internet. Yes, great question. Because North Korea, sometimes they get knocked down because they don't quite have all the resources that, say, Russia or China does when it comes to hacking capability. But the thing that makes North Korea so terrifying compared to other countries in the world is that North Korea doesn't have anything to lose on the defensive side. There's almost no internet or computers in North Korea at all. So there's almost no possibility of hacking them back because it really wouldn't affect them at all. And when they have nothing to lose, they only have everything to gain. So they will go for attacks that no other country in the world would even try to do because of the political consequences. But North Korea is already in such a rough spot politically and economically that they're willing to just try and pull off crazy things that sound like something out of a James Bond movie. Yeah, that's the one feeling that I get from North Korea. They're just ruthless and just on a mission. And... uh... They don't really have anything to fear. One thing that I remember hearing, which really surprised me about North Korea, and I think it was on John Oliver's episode, he said that North Korea has an economy which is equivalent to Birmingham or Birmingham, Alabama. That's insane for a country which is so notorious around the world, and yet they survive on an economy which is just so tiny. It's similar to like what you said, where they've got nothing to lose. Like They're just purely out to just 
go for it. It's almost like I see it as like um, like short man syndrome <laughs> in a sense <laughs> that they're like this tiny little country. Or, you know, you get those dogs, which like the smaller they are, the more like they're like, yep, 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 yep. And they're just like so loud and so, so unnecessarily aggressive. That's kind of like North Korea, in my opinion. It's just a tiny country, which is just like, we're going to mess stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd love to know as well, like I was reading up before this and I'd seen some headlines and I know on Ars Technica along with another other along with other articles, they say that hacking groups are used to steal money from banks around the world to fund the country's weapon program. I mean, what can be done to stop or reduce this and is there any possibility to stop it at all? Okay, so the big bank heist that North Korea kind of made world news for was in twenty sixteen they hacked the bank of national bank of bangladesh and stole 81 million dollars and the number that hits the news is the 81 million because that's what they actually got away with but the actual attempted theft was um, over 850 million and the only reason they only made it away with 80 million was just because they messed up on the money laundering side of things but they successfully hacked away initially almost a billion dollars and most of it was recovered but it's just crazy to to try and even go for something like stealing a billion dollars from another country yeah that's definitely ambitious do you know what bangladesh's response was to that um bangladesh had to call in a lot of assistance and help because they weren't used to seeing an attack on that scale from what i've heard they had almost no security set in place so it's all of the international banks from most of the world are on the same kind of banking system and they're all connected together. But even though they're connected to the same network as the United States, they had very little security on their side of things. So North Korea went for the easiest target and then laundered money through the Philippines and Taiwan and Sri Lanka and a couple other places. All oh, right. So it's not like a case of they got sent out for Bangladesh. They were literally just like, which is the easiest country? And we're just going to go for that. Yes, they're just this is just a money grabbing scheme. And the easiest target was the one with the least defense. And do you know if they've made, made any other attempts since then or if there's been any other cases of them doing this on such a scale since uh, 2016? Yes. So there was actually a report, um, I forget from which United States agency that over the last, I think, three years, North Korea has, like, if you add up all of their different bank heists and cryptocurrency robberies, they've stolen about $2 billion from the rest of the world, which is wow. an insane number. But if you pause and think about it, like, $2 billion for the U.S. economy, I mean, it, it would make an impact, but it's not as game-changing as it is for country as small and as poor as North Korea. Like you mentioned, I think they only have about 25 million in their population. So their GDP is certainly nowhere near like what the United States is. So an extra $2 billion for their economy from random heists around the world is huge for them. I don't know how much you know about North Korea's kind of economy in general, but do you think that's like a, a huge contributor towards their economy? Like is this if they were to lose this or if they were to somehow stop this or the world wasn't able to shut them down and stop them from doing these attacks 
do you think that that would be a very large chunk of their economy? Because I don't really understand or know how the rest of their economy functions and where what role this plays in their economy in the grand scheme of things. I mean, I, I'm not an economist, but I will say I think there are already so many sanctions on North Korea from the rest of the countries in the world, and very few countries will even trade with them. Mostly their only ally is China, so it's very hard for them to do anything internationally or make like any extra income without pulling off these kinds of heists. And I think that's why they dedicate so much of their hacking resources towards anything that will make them money is because it helps a lot to keep their regime intact. And you, you touched on something which I think would be really interesting to explore. I know that China is a close ally to North Korea. Are you aware of any relationship between the two countries with regards to hacking or other online activities? Uh, well, that's interesting right now because there's some rumors in the last week or two that North Korea has been hacking Chinese VPN providers. And right now with um, COVID-19 going around, everyone's working from home, including Chinese and Chinese embassies. And North Korea may have been behind attacks that are exploiting Chinese VPNs and reading what Chinese diplomats are up to. But most of the time, I think North Korea and China are on very good terms when it comes to hacking. I think China can't get away with some of the attacks that North Korea does. For example, the 2014 attack on Sony Pictures, mm -hmm. there would just be too many consequences if China were to hack a large corporation in the United States. But with North Korea does it, it's kind of like an annoying little toddler who <laughs> like kicks you in the shin. And it's like, it, you feel bad like slapping them back because it's a child. <laughs> Do you think then that there's any possibility that China would ever get North Korea to do bidding on its behalf just because North Korea has that kind of like slightly higher level of protection in the sense that it it's a kid, you can't hit it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we'll probably never be able to know for sure whether this is happening or not because China and North Korea are two of the best countries when it comes to hacking capability, and they certainly know how to cover their own tracks. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that China would ask some North Korean hackers to assist in pulling off something that maybe China didn't want to be labeled for. Yeah, it makes sense. And I suppose there's uh, one of the perks of having those relationships, those two together. <laughs> Do you know much about what the internet is like internally with North Korea? Because you did specify and you said that there's there's not a huge amount of like computers and there's not a huge amount of, um, I suppose, technology to hit them back with. As far as you're aware, how is the internet used within the country and is it even accessible to the, the everyday folk? I'm guessing the answer is no. And if it is, there's probably just one one website which is like all hell the great leader. <laughs> That's it's pretty accurate, but it is pretty interesting how their networks work. So most of North Korea has no access to what the rest of the world knows as the internet. What North Korean citizens do have is an internal intranet, which mm. is just a small internet only within North Korea. And that does have a couple thousand websites and the general population's allowed to access it. 
but it's entirely controlled by the regime and it's mostly used for pumping out media and news that the regime wants its citizens to know about. For the actual internet, it's only for either the very elite in North Korea or for foreign travelers who are there. Basically, nobody else has internet access. The North Korean telecom, Koryolink, is owned by North Korea's government. And there was, for a little while, a loophole where domestic citizens could make international calls and get back out onto the global internet. And they closed that loophole as soon as possible. So I think that says a lot about how the government does not want their citizens accessing the real internet. Yeah. I'd really love to just explore that that intranet that they have. That I think that would be an incredible insight into into their world and their society. But I'd also be interested to know if they just have like equivalents of normal things that we have. Like if there's a North Korean version of Amazon, <laughs> what the products you can buy. Uh, the North Koreans internal network, Kwangmyang, uh, which translates to bright light. So I call it the bright light network. Uh, mm-hmm. It's only accessible inside North Korea. So mostly nobody else knows what's on it. If they have their own version of Amazon or facebook or anything else because you'd have to go to north korea and log into one of their computers to be able to see their websites oh man that's crazy of all the things i think i could have learned on this episode that's definitely the the one thing that's going to stay with me i'm i'm going to be really curious to know that as much as i'd like to go there and check it out i think for me i'm someone that loves traveling and i do have like a goal of seeing every country in the world but I think the one exception I'll make is North Korea, like not going there. Um, just because even though I have a friend, one of my best friends, uh, he, he went there actually and it was fine. And I'm pretty sure you go there and as long as you just abide by all the rules, you'll be fine. But I just, the idea of like one slip up and that's it, you're like, you're screwed and there's no coming back. That, that scares me. <laughs> but with this uh, offer of like the intranet, I think you've you've definitely incentivized me to <laughs> want to see it more now. That that is probably one of my greatest motivations now to to go to North Korea. Not that I have an overwhelming desire still. That would be the last country on my list. <laughs> hey, if you go and figure out what's inside there, I'd love to know too. <laughs> I'll share it. <laughs> I'll write. Uh, I'll do a podcast on it or something. Have you ever come close to being in North Korea? No, <laughs> I. <laughs> I haven't been to East Asia, actually. It is on my list of places to travel, but like you, I probably will keep North Korea off the list of places I actually want to go. It's not exactly the kind of place where you're like, oh man, I've had such a stressful few months. I need a holiday. Time to take a break on those beautiful North Korean beaches. (laughs) (laughs) They might have nice beaches. I think I remember when Trump went there or Trump was talking about it, he was talking about how nice it would be to develop some property on their beaches. So. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Not the kind of place you'd really put your feet up at. I suppose I kind of guess where this is going. And whenever I ask my guests this about the the most dangerous countries on the internet, it never seems to be too optimistic. However, I'm hoping maybe this answer might be different. But how do you foresee the digital landscape of this country changing over the next five years? I am worried about North Korea and their hacks over the next five years that they might start to get more malicious than they have been. So far, I mean, bank heists are 
tough because the rest of the world loses money, but it isn't physically harming anybody. Mm. And the Sony Pictures hack was, for whatever reason they did it, they leaked some celebrity stuff and that was embarrassing. But once again, they didn't really harm anybody or anything. Mm. I'm worried that in the upcoming years, cyber attacks will start to get more malicious and more just intentionally damaging. So one thing that struck me when I was reading about the history of North Korea's hacks was in 2018, they attacked Ontario's Metrolinx, which is the company running their Metro. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do anything harmful they just kind of broke in and then stopped. And a lot of people theorized that they were testing their capabilities to see what would it be like to try and hack into some other country's public transportation system. And they never, they haven't pulled anything off afterwards. And we aren't quite sure why they did that one thing. But it would be very scary if they were to try to, say, take down more metro systems or subways or anything else in the rest of the world so when you say like take down these metro systems do you mean in a sense of it shuts down they all stop working or do you mean that like they could potentially like use them in a very damaging almost like terrorist like way like have trains or whatever collide with one another or or something like mess with stop signs or something like that i hope Um, that there are enough defenses in place to to limit it to just either like stoplights stop working or the metro doesn't run for a day. I hope that there's enough protections in place to make sure that that's the worst that can happen. But were North Korea to take full control of these networks and full control of these systems, then they could do anything that a normal metro or control system could do. Oh yeah, that's scary. I suppose the one reassuring thing is if their motivation is money, then it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to cause absolute carnage immediately. I suppose it would be a case of like, look what we can do, pay us all we're going to do it, rather than a case of, you know what, let's just like screw this country over and smash loads of stuff or blow up some stuff. Yes. (laughs) Even in the 2014 Sony Pictures hack, they're included in the initial threat. They blackmailed Sony Pictures and asked for money from them to not release anything or any of the embarrassing uh, details. So even in that one was financially motivated, or at least they're hoping to make some money out of it. So hopefully yeah. North Korea sticks to their mostly harmless money-making attacks. Yeah, let's hope. Out of curiosity in North Korea's side, you've obviously probably worked on some interesting stuff. Some of it you can share, hopefully, and some of it you probably can't share. but. In your line of work and given all the things that you've worked on, are there any interesting stories or any interesting things generally when it comes to the work you do that you'd be able to share with us? I'd be really interesting. I bet you got some stories. <laughs> I don't know if I have any stories about North Korea that I can share. Or just generally about other countries or just other th- like interesting stories from your line of work which you've experienced, like North Korea side, even if it's a different country, a different kind of attack or some kind of attack you thought was pretty unique or just even a story that you thought was funny and that's like oh that's a stupid hack Um, sorry to put you on the spot (laughs) (laughs) you're good you're good i mean i guess i will add so in when north korea tried to steal all of that money from bangladesh's bank part of the reason 
they didn't get away with all 850 million was because of just silly little typos and basic mistakes. So forget the exact wording. I think they sent money out to a, I forget the exact name, but I believe from the Bank of Bangladesh, they laundered money through fake companies in different parts of the world and tried to get them back, all that money back into North Korea eventually. Some of that money, I believe like $20 million was sent through Germany and then was supposed to go to some foundation, but they spelled foundation F-A-N-dation, like foundation. <laughs> and so aside from the fact that if you try and look it up, like there's no company named this, it was like a fake company in the first place. The German bank was pretty suspicious because they like saw this misspelling and usually if you're wiring 20 million dollars you're not going to misspell the name of the company that you're trying to give it to and so that's basically why like those 20 million dollars didn't make it home was because of a typo um in spelling the word foundation in their fake company that they set up <laughs> i bet the consequences for that spelling error was <laughs> was very severe probably yes. a guillotine or something like that <laughs> another typo that they made during the the bangladesh bank heist that cost them was so identifying who actually is behind a cyber attack takes a little bit of work and you have to like read through the code and usually mm -hmm. you're looking for specific like identifiers and things that kind of stand out that if this piece of code uses this word and this other random piece of code uses this word, they're probably written by the same people. Mm. And in this case, what happened was um, a lot of people use like Mozilla Firefox as their browser. And so when they access the internet, it says Mozilla so that websites know like what information to send back so that the browser can read it. Mm -hmm. But North Korea misspelled Mozilla and wrote Mozillar because like there's no browser named Mozillar. So it's very mm -hmm. obvious that they're manipulating it to make it look like a browser is named Mozilla. <laughs> but they messed that up too. And they had messed that up in a previous attack, I believe on South Korea. And so because two different pieces of software used Mozillar, across like a different year. Uh, it was pretty easy to trace back that it was North Korea behind the Bangladesh bank attack because nobody else would misspell Mozilla as Mozillar twice, <laughs> which is a really bizarre spelling mistake. That's why they don't always get the credit for being on the same level as China or Russia or the United States, but they're, they're a few typos away from being right there with us. <laughs> It's hilarious how they have the intelligence and the ability to do all of this, to wire the money, to hack banks, to do all these things. And yet when it comes to something as simple as just spelling something, <laughs> that's where they slip up. That's like, that's the big thing that catches them up. That's the, I suppose, wrench in the works. <laughs> like the problem child in the class. <laughs> throwing fits. Porter, <laughs> this has been really awesome. Honestly, like that, I've, I've learned so many small things which I didn't think that I I didn't even think about. And even though North Korea was a country which I kind of assumed I would have covered on this, 
I'm glad I did because, yeah, you've definitely taught me a lot on this. Uh, if people want to follow you or keep up with what you're doing, do you have like a website or social media? Yes, on Twitter, I'm at Privacy Porter. Cool. Well, thank you so much for today. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Cheers, Porter. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, Publicize. If you want to find out more about their PR packages, the free resources they have available, or receive a free PR assessment, you can visit their website. And for a limited time only, Brains Bite Back listeners will receive one month free with a 12-month package at publicize.co slash BBB. Weird Wide Web. According to World Architecture, Burning Man has cancelled its 2020 gathering and decided to hold the event with a virtual festival named The Multi-Universe. After much listening, discussion and careful consideration, we have made the difficult decision not to build BlackRock City in 2020. Given the painful reality of COVID-19, one of the greatest global challenges of our lifetimes, we believe this is the right thing to do, said the organisers of Burning Man. We are, however, going to build BlackRock City in the multiverse. That's the theme for 2020, so we're going to lean into it. We look forward to welcoming you to virtual BlackRock City 2020. We're not sure how it's going to come out. It will likely be messy and awkward with mistakes. It will also likely be engaging, connective and fun, they added. So there you are. You can live the spirit of Burning Man without blazing hot days, freezing cold nights and a thick layer of plier dust all over your clothes and skin. Dream come true. That's our show. I'm glad you could join us. And I hope you join us on many other episodes in the future and also many other episodes on the past. So feel free to scroll through and look at our previous episodes. We have a very large collection now. So visit social.co to check them out or you can go check them out on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Google Podcasts, a whole host of places. Just Google us or search for us wherever you get your podcasts and you'll probably find us there. You'll almost definitely find us there. So sign up to the Sociable newsletter. Just go to sociable.co, add your name and email, and we'll keep you posted on what we're producing here. And until next time, stay safe and take care. Mm-hmm.